Welcome to the Law of Starbucks podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I am Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us. Today, we are lucky to have on the show Nick Hughes, uh, founder. Uh, and uh, welcome to the show, Nick. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. And uh, nice to meet you and to chat with you, uh, Michael. Yeah, yeah so Nick, to tell you. us, you, you've been involved in a whole bunch of different things. To, the, to tell us right now, I mean, one of the things you've been doing that's really cool is this Founders Live project. Why don't you tell us about that to start? I will, yeah. You know, um, so I created this social platform for entrepreneurs called Founders Live, and I, I pretty much just looked, I'm, I'm just solving a problem, which is I'm looking around and I did not find or see an environment online that was really a place where early stage founders could not only meet others that are going through the same process, but just feel comfortable and in a community that would educate them on a lot of the stuff that founders struggle with in the beginning, which is like, okay, how do I take an idea from the idea to an early stage prototype? How do I find co-founders? How do I, how do I even navigate the field of financing and, um, you know, should I take money from investors? And basically I decided to create an environment and a social platform for entrepreneurs around the world to connect and educate themselves and, and then post, you know, articles and stuff that they have written and share with the community. So it's just, it, it started really organically and it's been really fun. How long have you been doing it? So launched, I launched founderslive.com um, in May, but the backstory real quick, I won't spend too much time, but basically for the last four or five years, I've been writing, blogging, creating videos, um, interviews of other founders and entrepreneurs around Seattle. And that was at the time called Founders Raw. And I, I created some videos, really well produced. Um, we would record on location. So there'd be like three, two or three videos. We'd record on location. And then I'd have a team that would post production, edit it, clip it up into short clips, and then we'd post it on Founders Raw. And what that was, was essentially its own, you know, it was kind of like a blog, but there was no social component to it. And so, Earlier this year, I determined that that was good, but not great. And I want to turn it into more of a, a, a platform, a, a movement, and to involve other founders. And so I basically layered on the social community platform, and, and then we launched in uh, May. Fun. So what kind of, uh, what kind of like, how do you track the metrics for that, for that, for that activity? Like, what, what do you look to? Like, what are your key... Uh, performance indicators for that. Right. Do, you, do you have them? <laughs> you know, um, I, I look at activity in the, in the community, um, how active individuals are. Are they posting, commenting, liking, um, you know, posting their own original content, and um, then clearly just user growth. Yeah. And you know, we're five, what five six five months in, right. and um, it's early, right? right. But um, I've I've taken these this first five months and really just. I'm, I'm really focusing on what the community actually is about. And, and I believe in figuring out what your clear value proposition is before you try to grow large and, you know, like start pushing out marketing and start, you got to figure out what exactly your value proposition is and who your customer is. And, and so that's what this first year is about is finding the voice of the brand, finding the value proposition and exactly how we're serving founders. And, um, and and then we'll start pushing out um, in the next couple couple of years. We'll start uh, growing. I mean, there's people from UK on the platform. There's people from Cuba. There's people from New York. From of course Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. 
So it's been really, it's been really fun to see random people pop up, and I message them and say like, "Hey, where'd you come from?" And they they're finding this thing like through the most random places. So it's just orga- organic growth, organic growth of this of this cool platform. Well, that's really that's really fun. Congratulations for starting. Thank you, it. thank you. And um, you know, clearly, as as you guys have figured out, like creating content and and having conversations, I think that that's that's what it's really about. I mean, we. I've, I've had this perspective for a long time that I, I do feel, and I'm, I'm not blasting the media, especially the ones that are here in Seattle, but I don't feel they do the best service to founders when some of the articles that they're writing are about vanity metrics, they're about raising hundreds of millions of dollars, and they kind of make it seem a little too easy sometimes. And I feel like the, the founder journey is really difficult and I think authentic information needs to be out there for founders to understand that. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah. I was going to say that's one of the great things about the internet, and, and it seems like things have gone that way in the last. I guess it's just been happening over over a long period of time. But I like to think that the reason podcasts and and um, resources like yours are great is it's sort of um, you know you can cut through the media like uh, and there's no filter that keeps people from having their voices heard, and that means that people can tune into whatever whatever signal it is that they feel like is, is the most specific to what they want to hear about. So, you know, for on podcasting, for instance, instead of listening to, you know, whatever the random thing is that happens to be on the radio that is speaking to everyone, you can, you can tune into something that's very specific to your interests. And so with this podcast, we, we try to just, a lot of people say, you know, kind of what, what is, what is your podcast about? We just kind of like want, want people to be able to tune in and hear voices in the community and hear what they're up to. Um, and I think that's, you know, it, that's, some people love it. Some people want to hear something different, but you know, it's, it, there's a, there's a spot for everybody. Um, yeah. I, I love the fact that we can focus in on such a specific thing. Um, even, even if it's for a smaller audience. Yeah. Right. And you know, you guys do this once a week, correct? Yeah. Once a week. Right. And so, you know, I think people also gravitate towards a consistency and, you know, once once we find the podcasts and the platforms that we like, you know, we just continue to go back. And, and so, you know, we've tried to be very consistent on there's, you know, every, there's actually a couple different segments um, each week that I participate in with a few other people. And then I just try to, you know, internal team as well as others, uh, just try to post things at least, you know, hopefully there's new information on there every day. And we're finding it's, 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 it's taken hold. So it's been pretty fun. That's really great. So when you look out in the, who do you see that, or what do you, how would you view your competitive landscape if you were to look at, I mean, do you see comparable platforms or like how, who do you, when you think about competitors, and maybe you don't think about yeah. competitors, maybe you're just thinking, yeah. this is fun and cool and this is what I want to do and, and who cares about the competitive yeah. landscape because this is what I want to do. But do you, when you think about competitors, who do you think about? What's interesting is I, I really don't on this one. Okay. On this one, I don't look at much things as competitors. I look at things like, um, you know, the um, EO or, you know, the entrepreneurial organization or even um, some of those other kind of physical world entrepreneurial or founder groups. Um, I see those as more kind of, um, they could be partners at some point. Um, But, you know, when you look at this, I think, I think, yeah, man, I just keep saying this, but the competition is actually attention. Competition is Facebook. The competition is I wouldn't say GeekWire's competition because we post some, some of their articles, but you, we only have 24 hours in a day. And, and we only have, you know, 12 to 16 hours of, of even awake time. What 
are we going to pay attention to? So I hope that at least for founders and entrepreneurs, they find this valuable enough to spend their time here uh, as opposed to scrolling Facebook. Right. Right. Yeah, that sounds great. No, I, I, I like it, and I'm glad to have you on the show to talk about it. And so for everyone out there who's listening to the show, just go to founderslive.com. Super simple, easy uh, sign-up process, and uh, uh, looks like a really super fun community to be part of, so I'm glad to... Glad to have you here talking about it. Yeah, great. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, um, you know, Founders Live, L-I-V-E dot com. And, yeah, it's it's very clean. It's it's very quick. Um, I would encourage individuals to go on there, you know, um, take in the information. There's, there's videos, there's podcasts, there's articles. And then I encourage people to actually, you know, add value. And it is absolutely a platform where anyone, you can post your thoughts. You can post your, the articles you wrote. You can post articles that you found you're helping the community by doing that. So, um, yeah, feel free to take yeah. action on there. So, Nick, you've done, did you build this, by the way? Did you build this all yourself? Is this your handiwork? I did not build this by myself. Um, what's great is this is me doing the MVP version of, um, you know, I hopped on. And actually, the company that, that I'm utilizing right now is called Mighty Bell. Yeah. And um, they provide software. They're, they're basically like WordPress for online networks and oh, okay. specifically mobile focused. Oh, so um, clearly it looks great on the desktop, but um, they're very, they're very much focused on the mobile movement. And so, you know, I'm just using them right now. And at this point, if, you know, this is my MVP version, version one. And as we grow, I'll most likely build my own at some point, but right. um, it's been a very easy way to onboard your first version, your MVP. Sure. Let someone else build it first. Yeah. That's a great idea. I had a friend, by the way, a really funny, uh, good friend, a Seattleite, who's now in, in, in San Francisco, he works for Twitter, and uh, he said something really funny once about minimum viable products. He said, uh, and this is Buster Benson, by the way. He knows Buster. <laughs> he said something like, when most people focus on uh, MVPs, they focus more on the minimum than the viable. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I just thought that was kind of funny. It's, I, I mean, there's, it's funny. There's a, I mean, it's a tough thing to start a new thing from scratch. It's a really hard thing. It's it's very difficult. And, you know, our standard now, here's the thing. The standard is so much higher. Like the user interface, the, the how fast and how quick the application is. And, yeah, you're, I mean, he is absolutely right. The V is the most important thing. Right. The M is just getting it's above the threshold of is it actually deployable code and does it work. But V, is it viable enough that people will actually adopt it? And... I could have taken a year, hired a team, and built this, or within a, a week, I've got this up and running on another platform that allows me to test the assumptions I have, which is do entrepreneurs want to be a part of a community and add value to it through content? Yeah, Mike, Mike and I have talked about this on the show quite a bit. Like we, and we, In fact, we even had one founder on the show that was really cool. Like he, When he was hacking out his, his like first thing, he used Excel. <laughs> he built the thing, in, which is kind of, I mean, it sounds like, wow, how do you do that? But I mean... And I think that if you have an idea that thinks it's a good idea, I think one way to, to test it for sure is just say, well, gee, are there disparate pieces I can hack together to see if I can I can create something that I can use to, I think, satisfy this, what I think is a need. And then if you can, you can you can get a feel for how, it, you know, whether you think it, it might even have legs, right? Because there's lots of disparate pieces you can piece together pretty quickly sometimes to see if you have, you think you have oh, something. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I... I, I I give advice like this all the time, actually, to early stage founders, which is if you have an idea and you've done a little bit of customer validation, just a little bit, like you seem like, oh, we've, you know, we have this idea, there's this problem, we want to 
provide the solution. That is exactly the advice I give, which is how, what can you put together? What can you accomplish for the least amount of money, shortest amount of time that gets it in front of enough people to actually get some sort of validation, positive or negative? And by the way, either one is good. So you don't waste a year on something that is not working. But you also haven't wasted 100000 or $200,000 to prove that something's not going to work. And um, I think that there's enough tools out there today that you can piece together or figure out what the minimum viable, the V is important, product that you can start testing your business assumption. And then you can then invest in the two hundred to $500,000, whatever it takes, to then build the absolute product that you want to take to market. Right. Well, Mike, you've certainly done a lot of things, built a lot of things. So, so tell us, tell us your perspective on that. Yeah, I was just poking around on the site, like looking at it, and uh, I signed up for an account. It's uh, yeah, it's really slick and um, nice that you're able to kind of piggyback on this existing platform. So it's uh, it looks like it's so. Do folks that come to this site, they create an account and then they can post their own content, um, to, almost like a Facebook type of thing. But so like the. The, the content that you've been posting where you've been interviewing founders, that's, that goes up kind of as your feed within the system? Or is, how, does that, how, do, how do people typically interact with the site? I guess explain kind of how, how a person coming to the site would, would start to use it. Yeah, you know, I, I would say the first thing is they're going to get there and, you know, they're, they're most likely interested in, in the information that's presented on there. There's someone that is either running a startup or thinking about running a startup. So they're, they're going to see a feed that has you know articles, links that have been posted from other members or internal, what we call the internal founders live team. We, you know, so they can read articles, they can click watch the videos very easily. There's podcasts on there. But then any individual actually has, there, there's, a, there's a box that says, you know, essentially what, what are you thinking or, um, you know, like it, it literally is a text box that you can, you can write and post your thoughts. You can write and actually it's either a short version or you can click and it opens up an entire text editor that you can then create a blog post if you would like. So yes, you know, they can, they can add their thoughts. They can write an entire blog post. They can post a video and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. This looks really great. I, I love it. Yeah, no, I love the, I love the, um, I love the mobile interface. The mobile interface is really good. And it's nicer. Well, how did you find this company, Mighty Bell? So Mighty Bell, interestingly enough, um, do either of you remember Ning? Yeah, yep. Ning. Wasn't that an Andreessen thing? It was. So um, I was a G- member for a while. Or I was a free member, and then they tried to make people pay. And <laughs> did it just go under? I, I think so. I think okay. um, so Gina, who was um, Mark Andreessen's co-founder, um, she, you know, they, they ran that for a number of years. And I... They really, the thing is, I think they missed, they, they hit the time frame wrong, in my opinion, because they were trying to do this like network for networks. And that was right as, as mobile really started to take off. And so they just didn't really hit any sort of um, trajectory that was satisfactory. And so clearly we know where Andreessen went. He stepped away and he started his own VC fund. But, um, Gina then took some time and she was very focused on networks and they stepped back and said, okay, we need to focus on the next wave, which is mobile and creating, like I just use the word, it's WordPress for the, for mobile networks. And she spun out and then created another company. And that's where uh, Mighty Belt came from. But a lot of their, a lot of their assumptions are based on even what Ning was about. 
Okay. So, you know, their, yeah, their business model is just providing creators an environment to create their own network and, and create their own platform. And I'm just, you know, I found them and I said, you know what, this is perfect for right now. I don't know if it's perfect for five years or 10 years from now, but it's perfect for right now. Right. Yeah. So tell us about this other thing you're working on. What, what's this other startup you're working on? Right. How, how many startups are you working on? <laughs> well, I, I, I say I've got three main projects going okay. on, and that's probably enough. I think that's the magic number. Okay. Um, but, um, so this is one. Founders Live is one. Founders Live is one. The, um, the one I'm probably most excited about is, is called Calling It. And it's, a, it's, it's the easiest sports predictions app that you'll ever use. And so here's what we found. We, we looked at fantasy sports. And I'm not sure. Do you, either of you play a fantasy sports league or anything? Yeah, I don't. But uh, Joe, you follow that stuff? I think we talked about, we talked about, uh, Fantasy football at one point. Yeah, I've done. I've done. You, you, you know, that, I've right? One season, and I mean, it was fun. It didn't. I didn't. I think the next season came along. I didn't show up for drafting, and I got thrown out or something. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, you're, you're walking right in I'm my really, hole. I'm really a lame, ex, uh, lame example um, of, <laughs> of of a man, I guess. And Seattle. I, I mean, I do love football. I just haven't really gotten into yeah. fantasy football. Well, so here's the thing. It's there. It's too complex. It's too intimidating. It's too time consuming. And depending on where you are, it could be illegal. And those are big problems, right? And yet there are, you know, hundreds of millions of passionate sports fans in this world. There's, you know, two to three billion around the world that are casual sports fans. Right. Yet the majority of them, literally like 98%, 99%, will not use a fantasy sports app because of the reasons I just said. So we looked at that and said, we need to build a very lightweight a very fun social application that basically brings it. What we've done is we've we've taken the sports game, for instance, football. We've broken it down into about fifteen to twenty of the stats, and then people can essentially call or predict what they who the what team is going to have more in what game. And it's so simple. It's so it takes five seconds to make a call. But here's the thing: so you say Seahawks are playing, man. Who you know? Let's say Seahawks and 49ers are playing this weekend. Okay. You just go on the app. And you say, who's gonna? It'll say who's gonna have more first downs, and you just tap one or the other. Seahawks or 49ers, and so you've called that, and then you, it, then you can tag friends. Okay. You can then start competing with friends. You can share that out to social media, and you can choose of the fifth, you know, any one of the fifteen. You can essentially call or predict what you think is gonna happen. The cool thing is, then we pull in the real time sports data, and you get points if you get it right. You don't, or you lose points if you get it wrong, but. It's just created this very lightweight, fun social engagement around games that is not gambling. So you don't put money on this thing. You're not putting $5 in to win $5,000. you are simply, you know, if, if me and you went to the football game this weekend, I'd say, hey, who are you calling? And, and here's the thing. People call stuff all the time, no matter what sport. People like to predict things and like to compete with friends and like to be right. And so what we've done is we've and we're launching in the next couple of weeks, actually the first version MVP, we are rolling this out and allowing people to simply call and predict and compete with their friends. Okay. That sounds really cool. So it's a mobile, mobile first. It's mobile first. So it's actually, um, we've, we've, um, built it in react. And so that it is essentially a mobile web app that we will port to, uh, we will then release a, a native application. Okay. But, um, 
It's been a we've actually so the backstory is there was a sport sports hackathon three almost four years ago here in Seattle. Okay. That's where this idea came oh, from. Wow, okay. So my co-founder and I, we had a small there was three or four of us at this hackathon and we sat around and we we asked that we said, Man, fantasy sports is just too much. How do we do this light thing? So we hacked on the idea during that sports hackathon. About a month later, we pretty much shut it down and just said, eh, yeah, life, you know, too much, you know, we had too much going on. And we then revived it last year. And clearly from the advertisements of all the daily fantasy sports, it, things are now at that level in terms of mass media. And we said, okay, it's time. The, the world needs a safer, lighter, more social um, sports app. And, and so we've spent the last year, it's under, under the hood, working on it, and now we're going to re- release it in the next month. Well, that's, that's really cool. That, definitely, I'll be on the lookout for that when that comes out. So tell us about your, do you want to talk about your third project or is it under wraps? The, th- the third <laughs> one is under wraps right now. We're, right. we're just, you know, I mean, this is all, this is all kind of in the last year, these three things have really hit my, hit my radar. But, um, yeah, we're still under wraps on that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, t- so, so tell me about like, you've been a, like a entrepreneur, founder person, like your whole life, or how did you get into this, how did you get into this situation where you, you now primarily to start companies and yeah um it's what's funny is i actually i graduated uh i went to western washington university up in bellingham and i graduated in uh, physiology so pretty much opposite of, of what we're talking about and what we're doing um and i was in i was a strength coach i was in the fitness industry for a number of years and um yet i've always been creative i've always been an entrepreneur i before i even knew what that meant and I think when I, what I realized was I was in an industry that you really, they, they kind of shunned you being creative because we're talking about science. We're talking about proven, you know, here's the steps, here's what you do. It's proven, it's proven over the years. And, and being creative is, is, is not as um, encouraged. And I was struggling to stay in that industry because I am creative and I love to, to, clearly like create new things like a founders live or um a a fun sports app that it was nothing before we created it and um so roughly about 2006 7 i there was i initiated about a five-year period where i i was actually self-studying learning about business learning about technology um and 2011 was the last year i had a full-time job outside of the tech world the startup world and then i literally quit my job in may of that year and like by the fall of 2011, I was like CEO, co-founder of a startup and it was scary and it was, it was absolutely awesome, but crazy at the same time. And it's just been a whirlwind since then, you know? So it's, um, I, I love it and I wouldn't have anything else, but at the same time, it's just always difficult, man. I mean, every single founder will tell you that it's not easy, but at the same time, I think it's like so rewarding. Yeah, I think that's Mike and Mike can speak to this because Mike, you've built plenty of things from scratch that and encountered the difficulties of trying to go from you know just nothing to something, and that's hard, hard, hard to do. Yeah, yeah, I think, and it's uh, but it does like like Nick said, you know, you've got that the fact that something doesn't exist and then it, you bring it into existence gives you some kind of a uh, I don't know, it's it's hard to put value on that, especially compared to where I was coming from. I, I was practicing law full time before I started companies, and and. Uh, I don't know. There's something about shuffling paper around. And, and I mean, obviously you provide a lot of value and you help people get their deals done, but there's nothing creative about the law in, uh, in a sense that when you're done, you haven't, you haven't really built anything that people 
people can use. Um, yeah, so it's it's a uh, yeah. I, I get what you're saying about the rewarding part of it. It's a little hard to get away from that once you get hooked on it. Um, it's hard to feel like like uh, fulfilled by things that where you're not actually creating things. Um, once you've got the taste of it. Yeah, you know, Mike, I, I'll, I'll toss it back to you. Um, with your experiences in some of the apps that you've built, could you sum up or at least come up with when you, it seems like you've had a little success in terms of the apps that you've rolled out. What what have you found that is kind of like an equation that seems to work in each one of those that you're like, you know what, I did this in this first app and it seemed to take off, so I did this in the second app. Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you. It's so um, the, it, my takeaway from the whole experience, and part of it, I, I may have just been pure, purely lucky or in the right place at the right time because I, I launched my apps at a time when it was a lot easier to succeed. So it's a little hard to point at what I did and say, well, look, look at all the things he did right, other than maybe be at the right place at the right time. But but one of the things I took away from from all the various apps that I built because I've I've probably built. Oh, I mean, I have I, the meditation relaxation apps that I do with, with, uh, my partner, Andrew Johnson are all, um, those are the, those are where I spend most of my time now. Um, and that, that app for whatever reason has, has stuck around and, and had more longevity. But before that, uh, I've, I've probably done, I don't know, 15 different apps and every one of those 15 apps I thought would, would be a big deal or would succeed, or at least, you know, um, be interesting to people. And it's interesting. I mean, I've had, I've had a good luck with those. I've had lots of those 15 that, that actually hit, but trying to guess which ones of those 15 are going to be successful. Like, you know, every one of them I thought was great and maybe five of them turned out to be worthwhile. And I wish that, I wish that as I went along, I was starting to see a pattern that you'd say, Oh, well now I know what works and what doesn't work. But, um, and, and I mean, maybe it's there, but it's, it's so loose. You just, it's really hard to predict what's going to resonate with customers. Um, now, I mean, there's more to business than the idea and the, the app. Like, I mean, that it's just, if anything, I've learned that, you know, the business itself is not just the idea and it's not just the product. It's, it's what you do with it after and how you get it into people's hands and make people aware of it. Um, but, you know, you got to be building on something that people actually want to buy. Mm-hmm. And um, so may, maybe the takeaway is, you know, do more, do more research up front and try to validate your idea, you know, get people, get people to commit to buy it or maybe do a Kickstarter or something to get some validation behind the idea before you spend a lot of time on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. What do you think? You know, I think you mentioned a few things that were um, interesting and I think spot on, but one of them is, um, and I also say this a lot, which is, look, if you, if you're, if you're a founder, you're early stage and you're like, I've got this idea and it's your one idea, you get good luck just from purely the randomness of the world and the way this works. And you said you've launched what roughly 15 apps, right? And some of them were more successful than others, but that's like more at bats and the more yeah, at bats you have, totally right. the, yeah. the actual just randomness of the world will bring you at least somewhat of a, uh, some luck. And that's part of this deal. It's not all, it's not like just everything's blind luck, but just doing one versus doing 10 or 15 different mini projects that you're testing to see what sticks that's what it, it seems to me is a better approach to the world of entrepreneurship than just being so married to one idea for like your entire life. And all of a sudden it just doesn't work. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, so Mike of the 15 apps you've created, I mean, how many hundreds of different app ideas did you have to wind down on those 15? Oh, probably, probably 
50, 50 apps, 50 app ideas to maybe more, but 50 legitimate ones where I, I actually for a while there had a nice big long list of things I wanted to build. And then I would prioritize based on, you know, what I could build quickly. Uh, and, and, you know, I'd also look at how big, you know, so you kind of weigh, you know, how big is this idea? How, how much potential does it have versus how much time is it going to take me to, to, to try it out? And so st- some of the, some of the easier stuff got done first, because it's like, if I could see something on that list that I could knock out in three weeks and put and bring it to market and see if it got some traction, then I would do that versus the one that might take six months. Because, um, even though the six month idea might be a bigger idea, it's just was harder. You know, I, I, there is a bigger risk there. So, so yeah, a lot of things that, that I thought would take any idea that I thought would take me a year to build or six months to build basically never got done because I, I just, it never made it. It never made it to the top of the list. So a lot of that stuff never happened just because it was, it was too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, Mike, um, another question. Um, you, you mentioned that, y- you know, the app store has changed in the last couple of years. Um, what would you advise now when some, like, for instance, um, with calling it, we have built this in a mobile web version first and, you know, our iterations are on a daily basis and also our plan is we're not just rolling out a mobile app because I think you're just going to get lost in the sea of BS. So we are going to hit a number of different angles and, and different experiences, but what would be your advice on if someone is thinking about building quote a mobile app is, is the app store just too diluted now? Yeah, I think that's a, that's, I think you're on the right track and I think the app store is probably too diluted right now. I mean, there's obviously some ideas and some apps that will break through that, but um, statistically it's not great. So, you know, look at, look at all the apps that are trying to come out and then look at the app store and and try to identify, you know, which ones have really broken out. I mean, it's, it's probably, you could probably count the breakout apps, you know, this month, the ones that have come out this month, maybe on, on, you know, two hands. So like, I mean, there, there, there are others that have done well, but it, it, it's becoming a more of an all or nothing kind of a proposition on the app store. And there are fewer folks that are taking all of the, all of the uh, rewards. So, so it's harder. Um, and so the other thing is that what you were talking about, about mobile versus the web, I mean, some apps are just mobile apps. They maybe don't have any analog for, for what they're doing on the web. But what I'm in the process of doing now, and I've been working on this for quite a while, is is transitioning my apps from the apps into more of a web platform where the apps still exist, but the apps are an extension of the web. Um, and I'm moving the content and the, you know, how it works to be a, a broader web-based platform. Um, and I think that you, you your approach on that is, is the right one. Uh, the, the problem with being a pure mobile app is that it's difficult to drive customers to your app because they have to go to one specific place to get it. Um, and so, you know, you have to take them from where, wherever they are and get them to go into the app store and then buy your app or, or download it. Um, with the web, it just seems like there's so many more channels to your website and so many more ways to drive traffic to it. And it just seems like at the, at the very minimum, you need to have something on the web where you can control the, the, the top of the funnel, if you will. So, so you can drive people to your website, they can sign up for, or pay for or, or get, you know, uh, I don't know, engaged somehow in your application or your service through the web because it's, that's got very low friction. And then, you know, the, the app is an important piece of it. You got to have an app 
because that's how a lot of people want to digest content, but it, it just shouldn't be the primary thing right. anymore. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my thinking. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, we're just, we're talking about distribution here and it, the web provides more distribution points or channels. Um, yeah. If you're just rolling out a native app and you just hope for the best in the, the, the app store, it's, it's, it, we're, we're too far along. Yeah, it's it's a tough, uh, you know. There's a huge ocean of apps out there, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's it's very likely that you'll spend time building your app, and you'll put the app into the app store, and it will just disappear into the abyss. Um, you know, so so it, it, in order to get people to use your app, you're going to have to find those customers, and if you don't have a web presence or some kind of a web vector into your app, it's just going to be that much harder for you to drive those people to to the to the service. Um, you know that that. Obviously, if it's a game or something like that, you may not have any other option. Um, some things just don't lend themselves to to the to the web. But if you're creating more of a traditional, you know, service or an application utility, uh, yeah, it seems like it it should probably work both places if you can. So, if folks want to go back and find all the Founders Raw videos that you've done or video interview. Where do we find them? Are they, can we just search for them in the Founders Live website? Or yeah, if if you go on Founders Live, um, yeah. if you there's actually um, some specific uh, topics that you can follow, and you, you know, a lot of the, anytime there's a video posted, it's tagged with like it's called awesome videos and podcasts, so they can tap into that topic, and it's just a ton of like historical information, all the posts there. But also, if someone just would go to YouTube and you just search Founders Raw, okay. you're gonna see a lot of the old. And these are two to three years old. Um, I am just now talking with someone about reviving some of that um, very high quality video that we were doing. And, and so there could be more coming out on that front. But um, we do a lot of actually um, web webcam and Google Hangouts on Founders Live. And that's cool, but I, I, I do struggle with the low quality that tends to happen on a, a Google Hangout or a webcam. And I do have a standard of if we are recording and having a video conversation and an interview, I would like it to be high quality. And, you know, the look, you know, the visual looks great and high quality. The audio is great and high quality. And you really can only get that from, you know, having a professional team with you recording that. So we're looking at some options in that direction. But, um, yeah, there, there's there's years of content out there that they can search and find. So how many how many how many of those video interviews have you done? Do you recall? No, off the top of your head. I <laughs> I have interviewed more than a hundred people. I've had more than a hundred conversations, and I'm actually giving a talk on that tomorrow. Sure. Uh, with, at, actually, at Galvanize. So, okay. um, you know, depending on when people hear this, but um, I'm yeah, hundred man, and and it's incredible. Like, I, you know, I've talked to, you know, some very early stage founders. I've talked to some founders that have sold their companies for hundreds of millions of dollars, and. Um, just like you, you know, like I know that doing this sort of thing, it's always a new conversation, always with a new person and you learn something new every time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been joking with Mike that, um, not, I mean, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know if it's a joke, but I think the hundred is a marker. Like if you can do a hundred, imagine if you did a hundred, you know, public speeches. I mean, I'm sure your first, or at least for me, my first 80 would be horrible or whatever, but I think there is something like a hundred is a, a significant marker and you learn something really important when you've done a hundred. Yeah. And that's really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, oh, look, yeah. I'll look forward to hearing. I mean, you're going to broadcast that talk you're going to give or I don't think so. I think, um, I mean, this will be, um, 
Just a live talk. Just a live talk yeah. at, at Galvanize, um, which will be fun. But um, And that's tomorrow? Tomorrow. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, tomorrow at noon. Okay. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I you know, the thing I would say about Founders Live is, um, you know, what I realized was the things I've been doing for the last five years, just personally from a writing to videos to other things, I realized that this is a, I'm creating, I'm, I'm wrapping my personal brand into a business. And my goal with Founders Live is a business. And, um, but yet it's, it's on a trajectory. It's like, as long as I'm an entrepreneur, I hope I will have Founders Live as my kind of personal, I, I don't like to call it a personal, um, lifestyle business because I don't like those quotes, but it is a lifestyle business. And so it, I also describe it as my sandbox where let's just experiment. Let's experiment with podcasts. Let's experiment with videos. Let's, Let's experiment with most likely there will be some physical events around the Founders Live brand. Let's get entrepreneurs together and talk. I don't know. I, what I don't want to do is just do the same thing that everyone else is doing because I think that, that there's enough events around. There's enough podcasts out there, clearly one of them here. So we're just experimenting on what can be the next evolution of founder community and founder education, and, right. and that's what we're looking at. Well, so maybe as a parting topic, what do you think about – Mike, do you want to ask the final question or do you want me to? No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so it looks like uh, it looks like uh, Yahoo is ultimately going to be sold probably. Twitter is probably going to be sold. Um, I mean, I guess, what I'm, I guess what I'm reflecting on when I hear about these things is uh, sort of continued atomization of the way we, we like utilize this technology. I mean, Twitter was really cool, but I mean – don't you think the trend is toward more things like Founders Live, toward more particular types of conversations than just like a general? I mean, Twitter's just very loud, like bizarre, like a, it's like the public bazaar or something. It's awesome, but I mean, there's just a lot there. There's a lot of noise, and if you don't want, if you just want to have a and I see people talk about the same thing on Facebook, like, hey, I really wish Facebook, I really wish I couldn't, like, I could cut out all this political crap. Like, I really don't want this stuff, right? I think there's like a continued atomization of like what are of the way we converse and, and get to know each other and have community. And it's fun. To, it's fun to watch. Definitely. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I feel the same way, and that's partly why I started Founders Live because, um, look, I, I've realized that I don't go to Facebook as much anymore. Maybe it's the sign of the times. With, I'm, I'm just sick of what's going on uh, in our world right now, from both <laughs> political, but you know, even like, just the racist. Like, it just, I'm, I'm, I just needed to get that out from me for a while. <laughs> uh, Twitter's awesome in terms of what's happening in the world right now, but it's so noisy and so like it devolves to the lowest common denominator and it's rough to kind of be around sometimes. You're absolutely right. Things are starting to um, atomize to the point where I hope what, so what you would call a niche community is what Founders Live is. And look, I don't need hundreds of millions of people. I would like to see a growing community of worldwide entrepreneurs that are interested and focused on this environment and this topic to join and be a part of it. And that's the niche community that we're building. And so I do think you're seeing a trend towards higher quality um, or less noise, better signal. That's what Founders Live is, better signal around what this meaningful topic is for these people and less noise. There doesn't need to be like millions of people tweeting every minute. And, um, you know, I think just to sidetrack this conversation a little bit, I think it's going to be interesting to see where Twitter goes and, and where the, where they end up. Um, I think 
clearly Facebook is expanding into other things that might, you know, I think the future of Facebook is interesting in, in the way that we as uh, consumers actually value and use that every day. What is, you know, what is Snapchat and like, where does it fit in our life? And those are applications that we use with friends. But, um, you know, so I think when we look at, I, I just hope Founders Live becomes a very meaningful place where entrepreneurs can, can feel comfortable and learn and communicate. And, you know, I, I do think we're going to see more niche communities like this for sure. Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, I think we're, we're sort of running out of time. I got to, I got to kind of pull things to a, to a close, I think, uh, but I, I'd love to talk more about, about all this stuff. Maybe have you back on sometime soon. Cause we could talk Absolutely. about the, you know, like, uh, I don't know where, where social media is going and all that. I, I mean, there's so much to talk about. Um, but yeah, let's, I think we're, we're sort of running out of time, so we should probably wrap things up, but thanks for being on the show. It's been really great to have you here and, um, yeah. And any, any parting thoughts? Well, hey, I, I, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, both of you for inviting me. And this was a pleasure. And, you know, I can re reciprocate by inviting you on to uh, my show on Founders Live. And we'll set that up and we'd love to continue the conversation. Fantastic. That sounds great. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, thank for you. listening. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, everybody.